We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. As you're being seated, grab your Bible or your iPhone or your tablet or whatever other device you have the Bible on. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. I want to talk for a few minutes today. Actually, I'm going to begin this message today. And Well, there we go. Let's get that thing out of the way, huh? Begin this message today and end it next Sunday morning. I want to talk to you about your gift becoming someone else's miracle. And from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we read the story of the wise men and their response to the birth of Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. This morning we're going to talk about those two verses and how it applies to our lives today. We understand the wise men became miracles to Mary and Joseph and to the infant Jesus. They became a source of supply. God used them to meet a need that Mary and Joseph could never meet. Shortly after they came to Bethlehem to find the child, that, that baby who was born king of the Jews, Herod, the king set there by the Roman government, wanted to destroy him. And so he ordered that all infants under the age of two years old be killed in Bethlehem. Joseph was aware of that. But he didn't have the means to make it out of the country. But because the wise men were obedient, because they followed the star, and because they brought the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, they became the miracle Mary and Joseph needed for the salvation of the Christ child. You see, I believe today in our lives, you and I also can become the miracle that someone else needs. We need to understand that Christmas is more than just pulling packages open. It's more than just family dinners, but rather it's an opportunity for me and you as believers in Jesus Christ to show someone how wonderful he really is. Sometimes that comes through a warm hug. Sometimes it's just a kind word. Sometimes it's taking time from your schedule and giving it to someone who needs a listening ear. It's not always monetary. It's not always some huge gift like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Sometimes it's just being attentive to those around you. When my kids were small, we lived in a small town and pastored a a church in that town. And there were so many needy people there, a very poor, poor city. And every Christmas and Thanksgiving, we would put together baskets to help those who didn't have anything. And I realized very early on, this is a great teaching moment for my kids. So I would take them with me when they were four, five, six, seven, eight years old. And we would deliver those baskets to those in need. And it was amazing how a wrapped toy in a house where there were no toys or presents. How a a turkey or a ham and all the fixings for a dinner where there was no special food in that house became a miracle to that family. Our gift became their miracle. So I want you to understand today that your gift, whether it's your time, whether it's an actual present, can become someone else's miracle when you're tuned in to what God is wanting to do in your life. So we need to refocus again on what Christmas is really all about. 
It's not about all the commercialism and the trappings. We lose our focus when we think so. But rather, it's about the greatest gift ever given becoming a miracle for you and me. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. He came to die for your sins and mine. And because he died and rose again on the third day, then we receive the miracle of salvation, regeneration, eternal life with God. That ought to make somebody say amen. It's the greatest miracle that we could ever receive. Kind of reminds me of the little girl who was asked, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? She thought for a minute and then said, no, but then it's not my birthday. You see, we have to focus on what it's really all about. It's about the greatest gift ever given coming to bring a miracle to your life and to mine. Do you realize that this Christmas season, your word, your encouragement, your testimony, your witness could become a miracle for someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ? There are so many ways He can use you, so many ways He can show His grace through you. Yet we often limit and restrict ourselves only to those around us. We're very closed in. This morning I'm asking you to take a broader view, a wider focus of what God wants you to do, and become a miracle in somebody else's life. This past week, uh, our youngest son, Philippi, pastors in Fort Worth, Texas, He has two boys, Tyler, who's seven, Mason, who's six. Tyler's getting baptized this morning, and we're going to be in my office at 1230 to watch the live stream. So you know you're going to get out of here, all right? Just want you to know that, because I want to see my grandson baptized. But they were talking about Tyler being baptized, and Mason said, well, when can I be baptized? And Philip said, well, when you're sure you're a Christian, you can be baptized. Mason quickly responded, well, I'm a Christian. I don't play poker. And we cracked up. But then we had to know the backstory. There's some video game those two boys play, and a certain level is called poker. And Tyler told Mason, Christians don't play poker. And that was his perception. So many times our perception is so narrow, we really miss what God wants to do for you and me. Your gift could be something, as I said, as simple as a kind word, a warm hug, a simple invitation to coffee, spending time with someone. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be lavish. What am I saying? I'm saying all of us are included in the ability to give a gift that brings a miracle. And I encourage you to do that today. Now think about these wise men. The Bible really doesn't tell us a lot about them, does it? We really aren't sure where they came from or who they were. We think there were three of them because they brought three gifts, right? And some guy years ago wrote the song, We Three Kings. We really don't know how many there were. There may have been three, there may have been a dozen, there may have been a hundred. We really don't know. And all we know is they came from the east. Well, we don't know if that was the Near East or if that was the Far East. I know all of you are losing sleep over these kind of questions, right? Staying awake at night, pondering these deep spiritual theological truths and trying to figure them out. With a little study, I really believe they came from Babylon. And Babylon is about a thousand miles from Bethlehem. And they came via probably camel. Can you imagine a thousand miles on the back of a camel and how bad you'd smell? Terrible, horrible, a terrible trip. What's remarkable about that is that the average person in this day and in this time, in Bible times, never traveled more than 35 miles from their place of birth. 
So in this estimation, I really believe that this story that we're reading this morning is one of the most remarkable expeditions in history. And again, we're not exactly sure who they are. They're called magi, wise men. We know that the term magi was a Persian term that applied to uh, those who were in a priestly caste or a priestly role. Later on through history, it also referred to scholars and even astrologers, and some even applied it in certain circles to doctors, magi. We really don't know who they were, where they came from, but let's just assume they came from Babylon. Were they Gentiles who simply were studying the stars, the scriptures, the ancient prophecies? Or could it be they were Jews who were left behind after the Babylonian captivity and never repatriated into Israel again? Could it be there were men who had studied these ancient prophecies and traditions and were so hungry to know what God had for them, they would do anything to receive it? May I tell you, the world is filled with people that are so hungry. They're waiting for someone to come and introduce him to the King of the Jews, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things we can learn from this particular passage of Scripture. I just want to share one of those with you this morning. That is that wise men always look up. Wise men always look up. However, so often we don't do that. We look down. We're discouraged. We're depressed. We don't have enough money for gifts and presents. We can't live up to the standard. We're looking down. At other times, we're looking out. We're seeing the things that are coming against us or the things that we have. We're counting our blessings that are right in front of us. But if we really want to worship Jesus this Christmas season, we must look up as the wise men of old. See what God has in store for us. Years ago, I took a trip to Chile. We had bought a 35-foot boat to help one of the missionaries there in Chile. He wanted to reach a string of islands that were off the coast in the Pacific. Completely unreached peoples on those islands. And on the first missionary trip, I went down and went with him because we made a significant contribution to the boat. And there were seven or eight of us on that boat, and it was crowded and packed. And I decided real quick, I'm not sleeping on this boat with all these other stinky guys, you know. So the first night, I spent the night on a beach with a 357 Magnum loaded in my hand because of the wildcats that were on that island, the cougars. Didn't know if they'd attack you or not. But that night as I was preparing to go to sleep, I was laying there listening to the night sounds. You know, you have to know the night sounds before you know what might be a dangerous sound. Listening to the night sounds and doing it, looking at the stars. There were so many, it was unbelievable. There was no natural light or artificial light of any kind, just the stars. For the first time I saw the Southern Cross and what a sight that was. See the Milky Way, all the galaxies and constellations that are in the night sky. Billions and billions and billions of stars are there. And I brought my mind back to this very passage. The wise men saw the star and they followed it to find him who was born king of the Jews. Oh, can I challenge you today to look up and see what God has for you. Look up and see the blessing he has in store for you. James said, every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of glory. If you're needing to see God, experience God, look up today and he'll reveal himself to you. 
Just for the sake of simplicity, I want to suggest to you this morning that every time we look up at the night sky, there are billions of miracles looking back at us. Do you realize the light that we're seeing every night has traveled hundreds of thousands of miles so you and I can see it with our eyes? Those stars, those galaxies, those constellations are so far away, it takes light years to get that light to you and me. That in itself is a miracle. You know, we look around us today and we see things and just dismiss and brush them off because we're not looking up. Every time we look up, we see the miracle hand of God. Psalm 19, 1 through 3 says, Heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Look up and hear the voice of God. Look up and see what God has in store for you. But if we're not careful, we stop looking up. We stop looking at the stars. We stop gazing and we stop following the star that God's put in our life. Let me take a little survey now. I need participation. Is everybody awake? Did you notice that when Brandon prayed this morning, he prayed that we'd stay awake? Thank you, Brandon. Are you awake? Stand up and wave at me if you're awake. All right. He's awake. Is everybody awake? I need some help here. Everybody awake? I need some help. Thank you. Thank you, kid power. You can yell a little bit over there too. It won't hurt my feelings. Just let me know you're there. So let me take a little survey. Has anyone ever found themselves walking down the street or through the hallway in the house or across Main Street with your phone in your hand and as you're walking, you're texting. And as you're doing that, somebody runs smack dab into you. Anybody ever done that? Come on, raise your hand. It's time for honesty. There's more of you in here than that. Remember, all liars have their place in the pit of hell. Raise your hand. All right, well, let's broaden it out a little more. Go ahead and leave your hands up, all right? Can't put them down yet. Leave them up. If you raise, don't leave it up. Hold it high. You got to own this moment. Be proud. All right. Let's broaden it out a little more. How many of you have ever sat at the dinner table? And all of a sudden, you notice that everybody at that table is on their device. Conversation. Come on, raise your hand. That includes almost all of us, doesn't it? Why? Because we have allowed things like this to change our focus. So we're no longer looking up, but we're looking at this. We're on social media. We're texting. We're emailing. And we're losing our focus on the gifts God has given to us. Pulling us in and pulling us down. You know, our kids, I love them to death. They all have, most of them have kids. And they limit the screen time our grandkids could have. I think that's a great idea. Matter of fact, I think they ought to just break them and throw them away and make them go play outside. What do you think? Amen. We understand that this has narrowed our vision. And at some point, we stop staring at the scars. At some point, we stop stargazing. At some point, we lose our sense of wonder of what God has created and what Jesus has done and the gifts that he's brought to us because our focus is right here. Can I challenge you today to look up? Wise men still look up to see what God has in store for them. See, you need to remember this. Life is not measured in minutes. Life is measured in moments. 
and you don't want to miss one of those God moments that he has ordained and prepared for you because your attention has been diverted and you're no longer looking up. The wise men did just stare at the stars, but they followed the star. They followed the star. And that's where this story gets so interesting. We assume, because it's all we've ever known or been taught, that they just saw it and came. But I have to wonder, and I have to ask the question, were there not other people that saw the star, yet they didn't follow? Were there not others in the east that saw this magnificent creation of God, but did not follow? They had the opportunity, but they chose not to follow it. Their life was not enriched because of it. We lived in Colorado. There are 52 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado. They're called 14ers. I'll never forget the time I hiked to the top of Mount Evans. It's 14,265 feet. Man, it was wonderful. Now, i got to tell you the truth. I drove the first 14,000 feet and just hiked the last 265. It's a great trip. You ought to do it sometime. When I was a young man, my aspiration was to climb all 52 of those 14,000-foot peaks. But then I got smart and realized that wasn't going to happen. Took it off the bucket list. Amen? You see, I believe in adventure. Think about these guys traveling for a 1,000 miles on camels, following a star because they read in a prophecy that when you follow that star, it's going to lead you to the king of the Jews, lead you to the Christ child. They were following the star and it was a great adventure in their life. There was no trail. There was no map. There was no GPS. They didn't have a guide. All they had was a star to follow all the way to Bethlehem. I believe that when I read this story, it may be the greatest leap of faith recorded in Scripture. All they had was an old, ancient, archaic promise. But when they saw the star, they activated the promise so they could see what God would do. A great leap of faith. You say, oh no, Abraham is the greatest leap of faith because God appeared to him and told him to leave his family and his home and go to a land that he would show him. And as a result, the children of Israel and the promised land was discovered. Yes, but God spoke to Abraham. We have no knowledge or record that God ever said a word to these wise men. They just saw the star. And they took a leap of faith and began following that star to find the Christ child. Let me ask you this morning, are you still following the star? You see, God put a dream in your heart. God put something in your life that you abandoned, gave up on years ago. You said it'll never happen. It's too hard. Are you kidding me? These guys went a thousand miles following a star. How can what we dream of be too difficult? God is able have you given up on the dreams, the visions, the hopes, the aspirations that God has poured into your heart? I love the fact that, find the right way, Carmela, I didn't ask you permission, but I'm going to tell this story. I hope it's okay. A few months ago, I got an email from Carmela, and she said, God has encouraged me to start finishing all the songs that I've written through the years to once again follow the dream, follow the star. 
How many of you here have given up? You've abandoned it. You've laid it aside. You've even buried it and said that's never going to happen. I've come to tell you this morning, wise men and women still follow the star. So pull that dream out. Dream again. Let those aspirations rise within your spirit. And let God do something in you that can only occur as you look up and follow the star of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love that old Christmas card. We've all either given them or received them. But the one that says, wise men still seek him. What a true statement that is. What a true true statement that is. Now listen, and I'm wrapping this up. When I think about these wise men coming from the east over a long distance, an arduous journey, a difficult time, only to find the king of the Jews, that was their desire, and worship him. I wonder how many others missed the star. Think about it. Who really should have found Jesus? Who really should have been there in Bethlehem where he was born? It should have been the religious leaders five miles down the road in Jerusalem. They had all the knowledge, all the prophecies, but they wouldn't even go five miles out of the way to see him who is born king of the Jews. These ancient wise men, they didn't go five miles. They went a thousand miles out of their way to discover him who is born king of the Jews. And they did discover him. And it changed their life. It changed the course of history because that one divine appointment Their gift became Mary and Joseph's miracle. Mary and Joseph had to get out of Dodge. Herod was going to kill every infant, male infant under two years old. And so they took the gifts that were given and financed their journey to Egypt where the Christ child was preserved and saved. So your gift becomes someone's miracle. To you, it may just be ordinary. It may be just old hat. It may not be nothing significant. But I'm here to tell you, a warm hug, a kind word, time spent with someone can be the greatest gift that you can ever give that becomes their miracle. That person who thinks no one cares about me, no one's interested in me, no one has any desire to be around me, your gift can be their miracle. Your gift can be the road to cause them to follow the star, to look up. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're in this room this morning and you say, I have never, never asked Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior. I've never called on Him and asked Him to come into my life. Never done that. But today I want to do that. Today I want to receive Him as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to begin following his star, receiving his direction, his hope, his help in my life. That's you. Wherever you sit, just slip up that hand and say, pray for me. And I will do that right now. As I wait a moment, anyone? You're in this room this morning. You say, I've abandoned that dream. I've given up on that vision. I've buried that aspiration that God put in my heart years ago. But today, I want to look up. I want to start following the star again to discover what God can do in and through me. That's you. Slip up your hand across this room. Yes. Others? Yes, yes, yes. Others? So many. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Tom's going to come back and we're going to sing it one more time. Oh, come, let us adore him.
And I want you, if you raise your hand just right where you stand, sit, pardon me, right where you stand, just lift your hand and say, Father, I'm coming back. I'm going to revitalize it. I'm going to let you breathe life into me again so that that dream, that hope, that aspiration, that vision can be true in my life. As we sing it, would you do that? Oh, come, let us adore him. Sing it out. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.